Well, I got my usual, uh, my morning call this morning where Pastor Jason said he was not feeling well and asked me if I would be willing to teach tonight. So you know we're supposed to always be ready, instant in season and out of season, right? And as a teacher, I love to teach. So um, I'm going to continue his theme. I did ask him his permission, if I could continue. He's been teaching... um, I had started, anyway, a series on Isaiah 53, and so I messaged him and asked him if it was okay if I, you know, continued in Isaiah 53, and he said, yes, that would be fine. So I'm, I love filling the blanks and uh, taking notes, so I created these. If anybody wants them, there are more. Uh, my husband was handing them out. Um, it kind of it gives you something to look at when you get home, but also to follow along. And um, for me, I, I always glean more when I write. Okay, so the title of the the lesson tonight is "Why the Cross." Why the cross? And of course, our text is going to be um, Isaiah fifty three, and the focus is the suffering servant which everyone is probably familiar with the fact that Isaiah 53 is about the suffering servant. So let's open in prayer. Father God, I just thank you so much for the great privilege of opening your word, of studying your word, of coming before you, Lord, and and presenting your word. So we just invite your presence here now. We pray that you would be the teacher, that you would speak through me, Lord, that it would be only what you would have me to say, Lord, to the hearts, to the minds, to the lives of these, your, your people. And I thank you for it. And Lord, also, <laughs> we lift up Pastor Jason in agreement, believing for perfect and total healing. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, like I said, the name uh, that I have given to this lesson um, is Why the Cross? Martin Luther is quoted as as saying, get all my stuff together here. If you want to understand the Christian message, you must start with the wounds of Christ. There's no better place to see those wounds than in Isaiah 53. The passage is prophetic, and we had our appetites wet for Uh, The prophetic last night in chapel as Melody uh, shared with us, you know, an introduction to uh, prophecy. And it it was, was wonderful. Everyone who was here enjoyed it. But anyway, this passage, Isaiah 53, is prophetic. And as Pastor said, and I believe it was last week, it was written 700 years in advance. 700 years before the actual occurrence. But when you read it, you get the impression almost that Isaiah was an eyewitness. An eyewitness of the things that he's describing here in Isaiah 53. It's as if he is standing. He himself is standing at the foot of the cross. It is just that real. Message uh, paraphrase in verse 1 says, Who believes what we've heard and see? 
Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? So as we, if you have your Bibles open and you want to follow along, I'm going to refer to some of the verses. But in verse 3, in any one of the translations, I compared the, the New King James, the NLT, the ESV. Isaiah called Jesus a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And in verse 4, he says, he has borne our grief, our griefs, and carried our sorrows. As I read that, I thought, why, why do I still insist on carrying them? Why do I still insist on carrying them? When the word of God says, he, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Why did Father God choose the cross? The first fill-in-the-blank I believe you're going to have on your paper there is, remember the Jews stumbled over the cross. In Deuteronomy 21.23, it says, for he who is hanged, is accursed by God. The Jews felt that anyone who was hung was cursed. So the cross was considered by the Jews to be a sign of God's rejection. They did not consider the possibility that Jesus didn't die for his own sin. But he died as a substitute. I don't know why they didn't consider that. Because every time a lamb was slaughtered in their temple, it was substitutionary. It was in place of their sin. And so they were aware of the concept. They just didn't apply it to the work of Jesus. But in verse 5, in this chapter in verse 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions, He was pierced with iron spikes. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Romans beat him with fists and with rods. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Remember, the Jews laid 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails on the back of Jesus. 
And by his stripes, we are healed. It absolutely was substitutionary. Jesus did it all in our place. But why the cross? Why the cross? Obviously, God could have sent Jesus to die for our sins at a time when capital punishment was carried out by more humane means than, what, than the Roman crucifixion. God could have done that. Jesus could have come at a time when he would have been put before a firing squad. Or maybe subject to lethal injection. Or the gas chamber. Or for that matter, even the guillotine. All of the above are designed to do the job quickly. Unlike the torture of the Roman crucifixion. You see... Jesus died the most hideous, the most barbaric, the most torturous, the most bloody death imaginable. Why? Why the cross? I think there's at least two reasons. And I'm giving you three, right? Two reasons. The cross shows the severity of our sin. When you look at what Jesus went through, you need to realize that is what you deserve. That is what we deserve. That is the penalty that sin brings. That is God's estimation of sin. And he, what he esteems sin deserves. Sin is serious to God. That is why Jesus died the death he did. The cross shows how serious God takes sin. But the second thing that the cross shows us is the extremity of God's great love. We just see how God was willing to Go, we see just how far God was willing to go so that we could be saved. When I look at the cross, I should think, here is what my sin deserves. 
But here is also how far God was willing to go to pay the penalty for my sin. There's a a famous hymn called Beneath the Cross. And I had said to my students, you know, I really wished I had a hymnal. You know, I, I mean, I love all the contemporary music, but I love the hymns. I grew up singing the hymns. I wished I had a hymnal. Man, I wished when, when, you know, I'd cleaned out my parents' house that I'd kept some of the hymnals. So don't you know the next week this particular student shows up and he says, this is my feeble attempt at an apple. And he brings me a hymnal. Amen? Wasn't that awesome? But this hymn is called Beneath the Cross of Jesus. And it expresses the theology that we're talking about here with poetry. Verse 2, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. It says, Upon the cross of Jesus, mine eyes at times can see the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. And from my smitten heart with tears, to wonders I confess. The wonders of his glorious love and my unworthiness. And as we continue in our overview of of Isaiah 53, we look at verse 6. It says the same thing all over again. All over again. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7 continues the prophecy. As a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. You remember when Pilate asked Jesus, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? Jesus replied, actually, he didn't reply at all, did he? We're told that he answered him not a word, so that the governor marveled greatly. And so did everyone else who was familiar with Isaiah chapter 53. Another prophecy fulfilled. Verse 8 mentions Jesus' death. Verse 12 of Isaiah 53 suggests that Jesus died among criminals. Of course he did. It was predicted. Verse 9 predicted he would be buried in a rich man's grave. Verse 10 even predicts Jesus' resurrection. He shall prolong his days. All amazing prophecies. There's a great joke about Jesus' burial that communicates a great truth. The joke goes, the rich man Joseph who owned the tomb was asked by Pilate, why did you give your tomb to a criminal? Joseph answered, oh, don't worry, it's only for the weekend. (laughs) And indeed it was. For the On the first day of that week, Jesus cleared out forever. 
In Isaiah 53, we shed tears at the cross. And I want to give just a little bit of test of my testimony. I was saved on Easter Sunday. I went to church by myself. And it, this, this Easter is my 50th spiritual birthday. That's, I'm old. Okay? But I went to church. And I can honestly, truly tell you. That was the first time. And I was in Newport Ritchie called the Little Country Church. It was the first time ever I'd heard the plan of salvation. I was almost 18 years old, living in the United States of America. And it was the first time I'd ever heard the plan of salvation. It was the first time I'd ever had the gospel message preached or presented to me like that. When the pastor stood up there and he shared these same things that I've shared here tonight, how Jesus suffered, how he was beaten, how he chose to go there for me. I, be, I had this huge lump in my throat. My throat was so raw because I couldn't swallow it. And I kept thinking, I got to get out of here before somebody sees me crying. You know, I just knew I was going to bust out crying in front of this whole church full of people that I didn't know one single soul. Because I knew, and and what I was afraid is they were going to find out that I was the reason that he was crucified. I honestly, truly was telling myself that. I have to get out of here before they find out I'm the reason he was crucified. Guess what? We are all the reason he was crucified. Oh, I made it as far as the back door. And the pastor, this was a little Baptist church. The pastor was at the back door shaking everybody's hand. And he looks me right in the eye. And he says, young lady... Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I busted out bawling. I babbled something to the extent there was one one person in my family that at that time that was saved. That's my brother Terry, who's the missionary in Costa Rica. And he was maybe 15 years old, but he was saved. He got saved at a youth group. And From then on, our whole family became saved. So, you know, if he hadn't gotten saved in youth group. But anyway, I babbled something to the extent of, my brother wants me to be. (laughs) How did I know? The Spirit of God told me. My brother wanted me to. I knew in my spirit, man, that my brother was praying for my salvation. So... That day, April 22nd, 1973, I received the Lord as my Savior. I'd like to say that I walked the straight and narrow and I never walked away. I'd like to say that. But you see, I wasn't, and and I'm not going to try to make excuses. 
I'd like to say that I was faithful to God, as faithful as he was to me, but that'll ne- that never happened. I was raised in a home where we didn't even have a Bible, and we never went to church. And so I, I really didn't even know you were supposed to read your Bible. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know how to grow. I was saved, and it took me a very long time bef- before I come to know that, you know, you, I needed to be fed. I needed to feast on the word. I needed quiet time with the Lord. I needed fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It, really, I never grew, and this is the truth, until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, until... I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I never, I, what was missing in my life was I knew how to be born and I knew how to die. I knew I was going to go to heaven, but I didn't know how to live. And it was when I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It was when I was filled up other than just being an empty a car in a garage with no gas in the tank. I became filled up with the Holy Spirit. Then I had the power to grow and to go and to become what God had ordained me to be. If you had known my family, if you had known my life, if you had known my past, you would have never, I would have never, I say it all the time, who would have thought that I would ever teach or preach or have a doctorate, or pastor a church, or start a Bible college, or any of those things. If it wasn't for Jesus. Amen. You understand? If it wasn't for Jesus. if it was, And it's the same way for all of us. The same way for all of us. As we look here in Isaiah 53, this great, great pop prophecy. In Isaiah 53, we shed tears at the cross right we shed tears at the cross as i was writing this and typing this i was so heavy because i kept on saying why the cross why the cross god why did god choose the cross why did jesus say yes to the cross of all the things just even the things just the things i listed why the cross. Number one, because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Because he loves us so much. The most familiar verse, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So... What is Isaiah 53 about? It's about salvation. It's about God's great gift. It's about Easter. It's about all the wonderful things that God has really done for us. The price he paid for us. But then, in conclusion, because, and I'm even going to get done before 7.30. How about that? Because... 
the, the children don't, they want, they don't want to keep them up there that long, and I tend to go on and on. And, and I was already told, don't you go past 7.30. Okay? Well, to be quite honest, I didn't have enough stuff to go past 7.30. I, I'm just giving you what, what God gave me. Isaiah 54, we, 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 we see the tears that we shed in Isaiah 53. But when we come to Isaiah 54, we're told to dry our eyes, to wet our lips, and to sing Messiah's suffering is a cause for our singing. His suffering is what sets us free. He's no longer suffering. He's seated at the right hand of Father God making intercession for us right now. Amen. And scripture says we're in him. We are seated in him in heavenly places. We are seated at the right hand of Father God. Amen. I'm no longer. I'm no longer. You're no longer buried, dead in sin and trespasses. When you come to the foot of the cross, when you say, Jesus, forgive me, forgive me of my sins. I receive your shed blood as payment for my sin. Wash me, wash me that I might be whiter than snow. Let me have a a fresh start, a new beginning in you. Amen? Amen. When, how did my family come come into the fold? Well, Like I said, I got saved at 17, almost 18, about seven, eight years later. My brother Terry became an evangelist, and he was traveling around, and I had gone back to New York, and he was preaching a revival at our church in New York, and my parents brought him there. And I was giving a lady in the church a ride home, and my mom went with me because my mom and dad brought him up there. My brother's blind, by the way. And, and, and so I'm giving my mother a, a, she's riding with me. And my mother says to me, so just exactly what do you have to do to get saved? I said, glory to God. I pulled the car over to the side of the road that day and led my mother to the Lord. So I praise the Lord for that. But six months later, my parents came back to Florida because I lived in New York then. My parents came back to Florida, and six months later, my dad got up, and he said to my mom, I'm going to church today, and I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Well, my parents then went on to serve the Lord for like 35 years in ministry with my brother. They played gospel music, and they traveled with him. So I, when, I, when you think that the youth group is not important, let me tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you that it is. Amen? I'll be the first one to tell you that it is. And that we are singing, we're in Isaiah 54, and we're singing the Messiah's suffering is a cause for our singing. Also in, in Isaiah 54, 17, we know that it's, the scripture is no weapon formed against you shall prosper right after we hear about the cross we hear that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and then isaiah 53 is an invitation to isaiah 55 rather 53 54 55 is an invitation to abundant life so why the cross why the cross. 
because the cross shows the severity of our sins and the extremity of God's great love. That's why the cross. So let's just close in prayer now, okay? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for Resurrection Sunday. We thank you for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the engrafted word of God. We thank you, Lord God, for our inheritance in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we have been born again, uh, redeemed, reconciled, restored into a right relationship with you because of the finished work of the cross. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know this is the cream of the crop. I know that the chances are every single person in here knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there's absolutely no way that I can bring a message, a teaching, a lesson like this without giving an invitation without saying, examine your heart, examine your life. Do you remember a time when the Spirit of God revealed to you your need to surrender, your, your need to submit, your need to admit to Father God that you are a sinner? And separate and apart from the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you will never get into heaven. But if we, it says if we confess our sins unto him, Lord, and acknowledge that he is Lord, he will forgive us, he will save us, he will restore us. Is there anyone here? Eyes closed. I'm just going to pray for you. I am not going to. It is not this church. We don't call anybody out. We don't run and tell anybody. We don't. We're just giving you an opportunity to say to God. I want to surrender my life to the Lord right here tonight, right now. Is there anyone here that doesn't know for sure? That they are born again. That they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Nobody has raised their hand and that's wonderful. I rejoice. We're all part of the body. We're all part of of the family of God. That's great. Because I know the word does never return void. The word that has been shared, the word that has been spoken, we take it out of here with us. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your sweet presence. Thank you for our salvation. 
Thank you for our pastor, his family, our church, our church family. Thank you for Easter season. Lord, I speak a blessing over each one here. I pray that they go and they have traveling mercy, that they walk in perfect health, that they know the favor of God, that they know your peace, your joy, your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.